Welcome to the RPG Podcast. And we are live. Oh, God, Pat! Presented by Sheep. A Time Wheel Production. What's up, everyone? Robert Patton here, Sheets Underwear. Thank you so much for joining the Robert Patton Global Podcast, sponsored in part by Sheets Underwear. Today, we had a very special guest. His name is Mike the God Harrington. He is one of the main producers at the Believe You Me podcast. He works at the Gas Digital Network. He's an all-around good dude. He has very humble beginnings, starting from the car living in his car to making his name in the industry of podcasting he's a very motivational guy he's a very hard working and he has a very positive attitude and we were very happy to talk to him so enjoy the show the show the show the show idea for because i have been kicking around especially while i was sitting in quarantine like kicking around doing my own in-depth uh like mma breakdown show where we touch on some of the topics that we might not have time to believe you me so anxiety attack now that the name's out there it might not be the worst idea uh for a show but believe you me is uh michael bisping and Luis j gomez uh twice weekly they sit down break down the biggest news in mma in the funniest way possible uh bring you the uh, best takes i think on the best stories out there and uh yeah. Uh, are you giving yourself a humble brag by the best stories out there because you produce some of the stories they talk so, about? No, I mean, realistically, I, I what it comes down to, I, I don't make any of the decisions on what stories we do. It's what is hitting me from MMA Twitter. You know what I mean? Like, I curate my feed. I curate my Reddit. I curate... Um, you know, the, the media sources that I go to, but it's like, I'm on whatever people are talking about, whatever other shows are going to be making YouTube videos about. I want to make sure that Bisbing and Lewis have a take on that. Yeah. And they do really have the best show. I used to listen to the fighter and the kid and I, I even went to one of their comedy specials, which was super funny here in Denver. I stopped listening to Fighter and the Kid and had been listening to, and still, you know, was listening today to uh, Believe You Me, which is, I guess, with the scandal with Brian Callen, maybe Fighter and the Kid's going to jump up into the ranks, maybe. What do you think about that? Uh, well, I mean, who knows? It's, it's one of those weird things. Like I think Delia's last podcast before he went dark ended up doing really well. So I, I could see it being a thing, but Callan did say he was going to be taking a leave of absence from the podcast. So I don't know if that means Shab is going to keep going. He already has, uh, his own show. He has his, you know, the, the breakdown and he has another show, uh, with, with Theo Vaughn and the kitchen yeah, well, one. He does a lot right. of stuff. So, so he's got a lot of projects going on. That's one of those things where it's like, I mean, you can't really let the main brand die, but without Callan, you know, he can get away with doing an episode or two with like Sasso and Rappaport. But after that, uh, it's not the same show. So that's a very, I don't know. They're in a very awkward position. Uh, when Callan ended that video on Saturday saying he was going to be taking a leave of absence, that was my first thought was like, all right, so with art, do is that just ours now do we just like what what goes on how does this work you guys are the kings now you get straight to the top oh man you're gonna be famous you're already kind of famous because of how much they talk about you and it's it's really funny i i get a kick out of it so like it's it 
it does not uh, escape me, like, the irony of it. You know what I mean? Like, there there was a time in my life where, you know, the first UFC event that I ever went to was UFC 159 in Newark, New Jersey. On that card, I watched uh, Michael Bisping uh, get a decision win over Alan Belcher. Uh, I remember where I was when Michael Bisping uh, beat Anderson Silva. I remember where I was when Michael Bisping won the title from Luke Rockhold. Now to have him yell at me, like, two or three times a week on air, is just, like, it still blows my mind every single week. That sounds like the law of attraction. Have you ever heard of that? So, yeah, I have. Um, and like, there definitely is. There definitely is a. It's a weird thing working in in this industry. I, I processed this yesterday. Like, the only comedian who you know I quote unquote like look up to or or you know like anyone who I'm a fan of. You know what I mean? I've met pretty much all of them, with the sole exception being Kyle Kinane over the course of the last like three years. And that just came from a place of being like, yeah, I want to, I want to be part of this world. I want to under like everything about this is attractive to me. And it, it's just kind of happened. Yeah. I love, I love the UFC. Well, now you were just talking about comedy, weren't you? Did I go, were you talking about comedy? Yeah. I mean, in that, in that law of attraction sense. Right. So like you were saying with, uh, with Tuesdays with stories, like that was my gig as a contractor, just driving around, like listening to all these shows. So to go from, you know, listening to these guys to, you know, from being in a situation where I was telling a, a girl the other day, I would drive home from, you know, playing poker all night long to, you know, a Joe DeRosa album, you know, like, it. Yeah. uh, uh, on the way home at daybreak, and now I produce one of his podcasts. Like his his numbers oh, in my no, phone, no, no, he texts no. me about like stuff with the show all the time, and that it, I don't know. It's just, it is a really cool thing. It's not a coincidence, I would think. I mean, what you think about, you bring about, and see, this is the kind of stuff we talk about on this show, is because I'm super into the woo of business and success, and 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 just the universe and how amazing it is and it could all just be a coincidence the fact that you were listening to his tapes and he's constant i don't know like constantly in your brain and you know like an opportunity comes up and, and you're you but you know him are you basically you've been you're a huge fan and you jump at the opportunity more so than what you focus on obviously you're going to get closer to it worked for me kind of with with like at least believing that it was possible to maybe work with these people. And, you know, I'm talking to you and like, I'm one step closer to Joe Rogan. Now I'm talking to Mike Harris. <laughs> that is a wild, wild stretch to me in the sense that like, I've met Joe Rogan once. See? You know what I mean? I and a lot you. of, <laughs> a lot of my friends are friends with Joe Rogan. So like, that is a weird six degrees of separation thing, but it's like, I, Ah, maybe, maybe, you know, like, you know, if you're like, I see, you know, you're, you're, uh, you know, always posting stuff with Cowboy. You got, you know, Bryce Mitchell's an up and coming star. It's only a matter of time before he gets on, you know, JRE. So, yeah, I mean, for sure. It's like, if your goal, right, if your goal, uh, you were to set out in 2018, so I want to shake Joe Rogan's hand by 2021, that's an easily attainable goal. You know what I mean? Wow, yeah. I see. And yeah, I mean, I feel like I could. Has Bisping ever been on? I believe he's been on one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Bisping, 
right when I started working on Believe You Me, Bisbing was booked to uh, be on Joe Rogan. And then I think he got bumped last minute. And we were like, oh, what the hell? And he got bumped for like GSP. And it's like, all right, uh, like GSP does one long form interview a year. You know what I mean? Bisbing has a weekly podcast, so you can't get too mad at that. And then he ended up having Bisbing on like two or three months later. But uh, it was pretty funny in the moment how that worked out. After was this after the fight? Yeah, yeah. This was okay. after uh, after yeah. It was after he had lost the title. I think it was after the the Gaslam fight too. So it was maybe like spring of twenty. What would that be? Eighteen. So. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It was because I, I think guess- yeah he won the belt in sixteen, lost it in seventeen, and then lost to Gaslam in eighteen, retired. Uh, dude, that was the craziest thing. Like, that's one of the most surreal moments I've ever had. Uh, I was uh, Memorial Day. Uh, I was in, like, we had just opened up the studio, at the Gas Digital Studios, like the new one um, that, that you see on all the Gas Digital shows. And I was in here. I was like, I think the only one allowed in here, I was just cutting all the clips. And I happened to cut uh, Bisbing's retirement. Like, Bisbing retired on the show. Uh, I don't even think we might have been live. Yeah, we were live streaming at that point. So, like, the 200 people who saw it live were the only people who knew. And, uh, like, the the recording wasn't anywhere. And I was the one who got to, like, cut that recording and then make sure that, like, you know, MMA Junkie got it and and all those other news sources. Um, You know, so a fighter who I definitely like was a fan of for a long time and followed his entire career. I was like, you know, a small, like I was in the room when the guy retired. Like it was surreal. Amazing. I was on, I was in the living room watching the ultimate fighter reality show when he was on there. I watched every season for quite a while. So I get, I grew up, you know, watching him and watched him grow up and all of his his maturing over time. Because and my wife is like, he was a little shit, you know, when he was on the show, <laughs> he was always stirring up trouble, and he kind of still does. But he's fucking, he's so smart. It's amazing how quick he is, and a lot of the fighters actually, but you know, more so him than a normal one. But like you. You would think they would be a little bit more punch, punchy. Well, yeah, I mean, they, like, I don't know. I think that he talks about it sometimes. Like, that whole concept of, like, the bad boy Brit was, like, you know, he had that in the forefront of his mind. Like, an American audience loves a British villain. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. why the, the Dan Henderson thing has been a meme for over a decade now, you know, because there is something about that inside of us that we just love a good British villain. So... Uh, but I, 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 I rooted for him. Like, and I'm American as American as they get. But like, I, I for some reason I, I liked him. You know what I mean? Yeah, Even so, as a villain. I don't so know. like, I remember I was tangentially a fan. Uh, I was tangentially a fan from like oh, I want to say like oh four oh five through like two thousand nine maybe. Then I started like actively watching pretty much every pay-per-view from 09 on. Uh, so it became a thing where I only tangentially knew Bisbing. Uh, you know, I knew he was like a guy who was constantly calling out, you know, the the biggest names. He was constantly saying he was going to get a title. And I never really liked him until that Alan Belcher fight when uh, Belcher came up and was like, I want to put tattoo for tattoo on the line. Uh, if you win, I'll get like a Union Jack or something tattooed on me. I win, you get Johnny Cash tattooed on you. And Bisping just laughed at him and was like, you have so many bad tattoos already. I'm not adding another one. Proceeded uh, to beat him. 
So it was like, it's not like Bizzing would have lost anyway, but it was like, you're pathetic to begin with. I'm not engaging in this with you, which I really enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, he's very quick, quick on the wit. Like you are, you think you're, you're like, you do well on the podcast. You know, you hold, hold it together sometimes when they're, there's grasping for straws or what do we talk about? Harrington, <laughs> say something. Yeah. I mean, um, my, my idea is just, honestly, I, I, I want to hang with these guys. Um, you know, I know that nobody's tuning in to believe in me with Michael Bisping to hear what Mike Harrington has to say, but anything I can do to kind of get those guys, uh, something to dig into it's, it's, you know, like I, 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 I love setting people up. Like that's what I think I'm good at in broadcasting. Uh, and it's definitely something that I want to lean into. Well, you do it well. Um, don't sell yourself short. I think like when you're not on there, it's lacking slightly. You know, there's like that little Kramer coming in the show on Seinfeld. You know, it's like it's not the same if you're not on there. I would say just putting that out there. Brian's cool too, but you see, I don't, I don't know what it's just different. Oh, I really appreciate that, Robert. Thank you so much. Well, yes, you're very welcome. Um, thank you for coming on here. You know, like I just like po- I'm a, like a junkie. I'm a podcast junkie. Hell yeah. I love comedy but i i don't watch it as much as i obviously listen to podcasts mm-hmm. and, and just watch the ufc and that's kind of my group my wife and i watch 90 day fiance which is like a the learning or like some chick show but yeah. for the most part like that's her one thing yeah and i i i, I, I gotta admit i watch it and it's not the, it's kind of it's so salacious and just like over the top raunch like ridiculous that it's kind of funny so I, we won't just- I feel that like i used to have that with my ex where like i got her into the ufc uh this was during like the rise of rousey you know so it was pretty easy yeah. to like get your girlfriend into ufc uh but you know i got her like so like that was a lot of our tv watching time and then when it wasn't ufc or like you said like me putting on a dumb podcast on youtube it would be her being like all right property brothers like all day we're watching all the hgtv all the home renovation uh whether you like it or not because you get to watch men fight in their underwear all the rest of the time you know what i mean yeah it's a fair trade-off and those shows that can be kind of fun um you know, if you're in t- like in that mode of, of remodeling houses and whatnot. And I just, <clears throat> we just got done with that. And so it gives you ideas, but it, it, you know, and, and I like to think that the whole law of attraction aspect of you, which you got you want, you want those things, you know, like focus on that and right. it's more likely so like- to happen. <laughs> To give you an idea, that girl now has, you know, like her business that she was like working on, you know what I mean? Like, like, like working on the business plan for while watching Property Brothers with me, uh, her business is now successful and she owns a home that she gets to renovate all the time. So God bless yeah. her. You know, like that's that 100 percent is, you know, that law of attraction thing where she saw something, she wanted it, she got it, uh, and, you know, like that's. I don't know. I guess that's where you're, if you're focusing your energy on that, like what else is the universe going to return to you? Exactly. It's kind of, so even if it's bullshit, woo woo magic talk, it still works. And so why not write down your goals, think about them, put them on a vision board and you do all that. I do. I have, I've done it for a decade and 
it hasn't not worked. I mean, I don't know what's happening. It, it, it blows my mind because of how successful Sheath is. And it's not like I'm not driving a Lambo yet, but we're moving, we're like getting there. It's crazy how we're going to do like 2 million in revenue, which is a, it's, it's just, it's hard to comprehend really. Cause of I course. don't, I don't think about money now, you know, now I'm not making $2 million. If anybody knows business, we're grossing course. 2 million. Therefore I'm going to make maybe like 200,000 or something. Right. But right, it's right, like, right. Yeah. It's but it's like, still to the point where like you've still hit a level of fuck you. It's a level of fuck you. Yeah. yeah. The only, the only fuck you there it's not toward is our customers basically. Cause I still uh, answer to them. Obviously, and, that that goes with that with, with, without saying you're a business owner. But like yeah. what I'm talking about with that level of fuck, you, like I see it with Lewis. You know what I mean? Like that's somebody who over the last like three or four years has hit like a certain level of fuck you. Where I'm like, all right, like that's for me. That's the goalpost. You know what I mean? Like when I started working in this industry, it was just don't be homeless. You know what I mean? Like find a way to work in this industry uh, and make enough to keep a roof over your head. And it's like, all right, like I. I wasn't doing that for a while. That became a goal. I've now hit that goal. Time to get on to the next thing. And it's like, I don't know. They're seeing that, seeing that in other people yeah. is like, it inspires me for sure. Well, and that's another huge like principle of success, which we talk about on this show is like who you hang out with. You know, uh, the five people you hang out with the most is who you end up being more like. And I would got to say you picked two good people to hang out with that I know of for sure. And I'm sure there's more in that digital network, you know, like, do you, do you get to see Dave Smith or, or uh, the other owner, the SDR host? I forget his name. Uh, Ralph Sutton. So what I, I, I see Ralph minimum once a week because we have a production meeting every Monday uh, that he pops into. But other than that, I mean, Ralph has been, I haven't seen Ralph too much because he's had a lot of shows that have been banked uh, because obviously he was very busy during quarantine. So I don't think he's come in to do a live SDR yet. Uh, and on top of that, like he's, you know, he is in that like at risk range. So he's yeah. being like pretty careful, obviously with the COVID and everything. So I haven't seen him too much recently, but typically I would see Ralph four or five times a week. Like, you know, Ralph is, it's it is a shame. Like it sucks not getting to see Ralph all that much, but I understand he's got to you know take care of himself. But I he mean, had a region. He had originally reached out to us in 2018, which I was weird because after we had started working together with Gas Digital, you know, I was I was somehow I started following his show, and then you know how you get you have the messages there, and I saw him oh, yeah. just like two years ago, and I was like, oh man. Hey, what's up? I said, so uh, it's been really good though, working with this network, just, you know, from an advertising standpoint, also an entertainment standpoint, but we, we make our money back, which is key. I, I believe leads to, you know, improvement of yourself. You never want to be the smartest guy in the room, but you're pretty smart. I don't know, but uh, the most successful guy in the room you know, you want to be probably one of the less successful people because then you see you're learning still. I'm trying to think of the last room I've been in where I was the most successful person. And 
it's got to be probably like four years ago. You know what I mean? Uh, I was going to say the bathroom. uh, Yeah, fair, fair, fair. I'm just joking. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, maybe one of the Port Authority men's rooms while I was homeless. Other than that. uh, (laughs) Tell me about that, the homeless thing. Like, how did that happen? Uh, Well, you know, I, I... so I had a place uh, in the East Village here. Um, I essentially I was I was in a situation where I had a you know multiple revenue streams coming in. A lot of those just dried up, and I found myself in a situation where I was like, all right, I can't afford the rent that I have right now, and uh, like so every dollar I had was going towards paying that, and the lease was up at like the end of the month, and I couldn't. Um, yeah, like I couldn't find a place that fit into my budget while like trying to figure out moving like all my stuff. So I, I ended up just like I took a bunch of my stuff. I left it at my brother's and I was like, all right, I'm going to figure this one out. And, hmm. uh, you know, I woke up on Caitlin Rupert's couch on April 1st, uh, homeless and to a text that one of my best friends uh, from growing up had just OD'd. Uh, uh. Yeah. So that was like a really, it's one of the worst days of my life. Uh, honestly, like that just waking up that morning was like, Oh, this is what loneliness feels like. Like that sucked. Uh, and then I don't know, like one of the coolest things in the world happened, you know, I, I, I ended up in a situation where, you know, my, my living situation was really affecting, you know, my, the, the work that I was able to do here, it really affected my performance. I was running myself way too thin. Uh, we couldn't figure out on like a fair compensation plan because, you know, I was, I was working all these hours, but I was really spinning my wheels a lot of the time trying to make up for screw ups that I had. So like all that extra work wasn't going towards anything like positive for the company. So it wasn't a thing where I could even justify being like, yeah, I need to make more money. Uh, so it came to a thing where when I fought Lewis at Skankfest last year, like it was, quote unquote, for my job. Uh, And the agreement that we had was, you know, I'll stick on with that one show BYM, but everything else, far as the network goes, like we cut ties, I get paid as, you know, an independent uh, contractor on that one show. Uh, And it, it allowed me a situation where I was less dedicated to spending my time here, I was able to find, you know, like some more side work to supplement my income, I was able to find a lot more side work inside you know, the comedy slash podcasting industry. That's how I started working with Joe DeRosa and Corinne Fisher on Without a Country because I had the free time from not working at Gas Digital to work on that show. Eventually, six months later, that gets brought back into the fold. Uh, and, you know, I never dropped Comedy Fight Club. So now I got three shows on the network. Like, it's kind of undeniable. I got welcomed back into the fold. Um, but yeah, like that six or so months of, you know, sleeping on couches, sleeping on park benches, uh, floating all around the city, uh, doing things like I would go out to a comedy show, get there at like, you know, 10 p.m., stay there until like 1 a.m. when it shut down, go with a couple of comics to the bar around the corner, stay there until four in the morning. And then it's like, all right, well, I got two hours until the sun comes back up and then I can you know, go to a park to take a nap, or I can start my day, get some work done, you know, wherever I can go look for side work. You know, a lot of that was relationship building, networking, uh, honestly, character building. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I could see that. It's a great story too. And it, no, well, great story 
starts at the top, you know, <laughs> so you're starting, you have like a nice place to measure your success from, you know, <laughs> and That's you've true. come a long way. That's true in the sense that like throughout all of that, I never once missed a show. I never once uh, was like shirking my responsibilities. The show did not suffer for, for, you know, the main show, believe you me, didn't suffer at all for my situation. And that was, you know, like a huge point to me, no matter what the situation is. Like I've legitimately been in a situation where the police are coming to arrest me. I know they're coming to arrest me and I have to like do like the one finger up like uh guys give me a second like you know last item of notes uh for Bisbing and Lewis. I uh, remember that podcast. I was listening to that podcast and <laughs> tell the story about how you went to jail. I don't remember the details of the story but I remember I don't think so, it was anything serious. A little bit. Uh so I didn't know that I thought brass knuckles were like oh, yeah. frowned upon. I tried to take them on the plane. I didn't know they were illegal, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I thought it was a thing where it was like if they found too big of a shampoo bottle, you know, they would just throw that out, be like, ah, you're a knucklehead. You can't bring that in here. You know that. Silly guy. Right. Yeah. Uh, what they said was this is a felony weapon or something like that. Like this is an illegal assault weapon. So we have to call the Port Authority Police Department. Uh, and they had me sit down. And while I was sitting there, I was like, all right, I wanted to get this done at the terminal, but I've got eight minutes until the cops get here. I got to bang out these notes quick. <laughs> Nice. That's dedication. That's, and you know, I have employees and I feel like in this scenario, they are the Harrington and I'm the uh, Lewis J Gomez. And I have, you know, sometimes you got to challenge them and and I'm going to, I'm supposed to fight one of my employees to Steven, but he's way bigger and stronger and younger. And he like is a fitness that's his job and that's like what he does except besides he works for sheath but aside from that he's this like a personal trainer on the weekends and stuff yeah okay and so and like he's an like instagram a model dude he's he was our very first model he's been with sheath since hell yeah day one and he's, we not have the, a, he's not the dude showing off the uh riffraff boxers is he no, that guy is J- Josiah, and he would murder me in like one second. I was gonna say, I, I wouldn't want that smoke, Robert. <laughs> no, not step into that. But the guy, but this guy's not much smaller or less big, to be honest. So it's, uh, I think that was the same thing. Not much smaller or less. I don't know what I just said. <laughs> but strong, strength wise, like he's a strong kid, and uh, it'll be, it's gonna be kind of like kind of staged since I. To, here's the thing. The reality, the secret is not many people are going to hear this. If they do, you know the secret people. But if it's a real, it's not. It can't be a real fight because I'm too old, <laughs> and he's he's too wild. He's not trained, you know. So, but it's going to be. It might be like a, you know, kind of like what Tyson and um, Junior, what's his name, is going to uh, the fighters, the boxers, Roy Jones, Roy Jones, like yeah. an exhibition. Yeah, a little bit, but like, you know, Mike says, you know, somebody gets cracked, then it's on. <laughs> so that it's true and that isn't. Like, I found that out today. Like, I got a, I got a pretty good lesson uh, from Diego Lopez. Uh, he's been a guest on Believe Me Before. He trained Lewis for his last fight. We're shooting uh, for Lewis's fight coming up. Uh, so we were, I was getting some work in because I, I have a boxing match with Dylan coming up uh, for who gets to be the engineer on Real Ass Podcast. And, I found out like Diego was explaining to me that because I'm not trained 
I am significantly more dangerous. Yes. Totally. Uh, and like, he's like to an extent, right? So I was making the point like, all right, I look at Diego. Diego has fought professionally before. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's, he is a fighter, you know, like that's mm. what he does for a living. He trains fighters. He, he could beat the shit out of me if he wanted to. So in my mind, I can't hurt Diego. So when I'm throwing at him, like I'm throwing, like I'm trying to knock out the boss in a video game. You know what mm. I mean? And like, he had to make that point to me. Like, yo, you tagged me a couple of times and anybody else, like if they weren't trained would have just unloaded on you. He's like, I am a nice enough guy where I was still just tapping you, tapping you. And when you kept coming, I eventually had to hit you like bong, 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 bong. Cause I can do that at any time. And I don't want to fuck you up if I don't have to, but yeah. it's like just to put you in check. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of tases to like, all right, motherfucker, you're getting a little bit too frisky. Right. And he's like, he explained to me, he's like, yo, those wild hooks you were swinging, they weren't going to connect. But if they did, they could have put me out. And that's not cool. Like, that's not what we're trying to do here. You get that? And I was like, oh. oh How I'm, fun, though. How fun I'm is scary. that? Like, are, you having, are you liking it? Are you having a good time with that? I mean, I'm not going to lie. Today, I puked. So, like, I, I found myself in a situation where three three-minute rounds, right, uh, did the first one, was very, like, left it very confident, was very happy with how I did because I was going way too hard. Uh, that second round, I started to feel it in that last 30 seconds. I was, like, checking the clock. You know what I mean? Then uh, that third, third three-minute session, by minute two, I was completely gassed. And I was like, all right, all I can do is pump this jab to keep Diego off me because he's going to keep coming. He has all the energy in the world. I've blown my gas tank. And that was a truly frightening feeling, but it's nice to feel that. You know what I mean? That sounds great. That sounds cool and fun. I'm, I sponsor a lot of lower level fighters here in town and I've been considering having them come to my house and like spar train with me because I'm so busy that I can't even go to the gym, you know? Are gyms open out there? Uh, they were. That's a very good question. And if and I know the gym I was going to, he the, the coach, I'm just, as you were saying these things, I was like, dude, I could go be getting personal sessions with Gilbert Smith, former UFC Ooh. fighter. He was on the contender. Uh, Dog, you don't got to tell me who Gilbert Smith is. I met the guy at, uh, I met the guy at, uh, UFC 159 and asked him why he was wearing a shirt. Nice. Uh, yeah, he's so jacked. He's like still, and he's been, he's modeled for us a couple times. He's my uh, trainer here. I just, well, unfortunately, no, he's also, when I left. He, he was also known on the Ultimate Fighter. That was the Kelvin Gastelum Uriah Hall season. And at all times, he had his shirt off. Uh, and I think he ran that back yeah, for when he came back on the comebacks like two, three years ago. Just com constant shirt off, dude, which I really respect about the guy. Well, he, I would not wear a shirt either if I looked like him. <laughs> right? He's been, yeah, he's been, he just, he's, he's like my age, 42. He's still jacked. Is he really? I, right around there. And like, he's kind of like Yoel in a way, Romero, obviously. I didn't, anyone. I didn't, I thought he was in his early 20s when he did the Ultimate Fighter. That means he must have been like my age now when he did it. That's crazy. Yeah, he's at least 36, but still in great shape. And Gilbert Chocolate Thunder Smith. Yeah, Colorado Springs Victory MMA. He Hell yeah! Head, and he 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 had coaches some other fighters who I was thinking about having come up, and we sponsor them, and so that's pretty cool, like to sponsor the lower level fighters. But um, I was training a couple months ago, and we moved right 
in like it was so I started in like January. I actually met him on the plane coming back from the cowboy um fucking McGregor fight and I was talking about how we sponsored Cowboy and he didn't say anything the whole flight because he was one aisle over and as we were getting up he was like oh you uh, you know I was in the UFC I was like I knew I he looked so <laughs> familiar but I didn't say anything and he was there with Holloway and so I ended up connecting with him we sponsored like I said some of the fighters some of the like the gym essentially to an extent and we've done a, quite a few photo shoots point is the training you're doing i find to be invaluable i feel like you are getting a treat a blessing yeah i mean to- for sure it's it's one of those things where like lewis kind of made this point um like to dylan he's like yo you don't want harrington cutting weight because if he's cutting weight he's gonna take this seriously and he's gonna actually like try so like i've hit this point where my goal was to get to uh, 190 by fight week in which is supposed to be in September. It's now the first week of August. I weighed in this morning at 188. So like I'm Ooh. I'm finding myself in a situation where it's like okay I'm like actually having something on the calendar, having something to work towards is yes. there's nothing like it. You wake up in the morning, you have that like determination because you have that goal, right? Something like that. I mean, not only that, it's like on a day where, like yesterday, right? It was, it was, or hell, this morning. I didn't want to get out of bed. I, it was 9 a.m. I didn't want to get out of bed at all. Um, and, you know, like I, I had a, te- I was supposed to be running with Corinne. I was supposed to be, you know, training maybe with, with Diego later. And I was like, I, it, somebody hit me up to come in and do Real Ass Podcast. And I was still like, I can't, I can't, I talked to Dylan for a minute. And I was like, all right, like, I want to hit this kid. I'm going to get the <laughs> chance to at some point. Uh, let me take every moment that I have to be focusing on this. And I just went outside and started jumping rope, right? Like, mm. I was, I'm not kidding. I just got that workout in because he was, it was like, I'm, I get to hit him at some point. Everybody in this room wants to hit him right now. I'm going to get to hit him. I cannot mess Why? up this opportunity. What is, what is so annoying about him or uh, he is, I, he's 22. <laughs> uh, that says a lot. Like, you know, think about who you were at 22. You know what I mean? Like I, you know, I, I would not want to hang out with 22, 23 year old me right now. Like I, he, he was kind of a jerk. So I was an idiot. I know that much. So it's like, it's one of those things where we're like, we're producing the show this morning and like, uh, you know, like a little thing came up and then like, he tried to make like a joke at my expense and it didn't go over. And then he tried to explain it. And I was like, dude, there's nothing. Like, I'm not mad that you made a joke about me. I'm mad at how badly you just bombed. And now everyone's uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to hit the guy in the face sometimes. Like he's got a real punchable face. Do you think that people that hear like Mike and Lewis give you shit all the time? They are like, Oh, let's, I can just talk shit to Harrington too. So I think it's six to one, half a dozen the other, right? Like there mm-hmm. is a lot of fans who see that and are like, I understand this, right? I understand the bit that they're doing on the show. And, yeah. you know, I'm going to continue doing that playfully. There's other people who, you know, like there's also people who come to my defense who are like, hey, you guys need to stop picking on Harrington. It's like, I I think I like that less. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That idea yeah, of like, hey. I mean... Because uh, I don't know, I call I say Harrington the God, which is always playful. Appreciate uh, that. 
Yeah, I thought it was a good. <laughs> it had a nice tone ring to it, but and I, I guess, but I get that they're just fucking with you and hazing you. And and if they weren't, then it wouldn't be the same. It would it wouldn't be as fun. Well, I mean, look, I think at the end of the day, anybody with like you know half a brain would process like, all right, this is a very successful show. I'm dealing with somebody who just called the biggest UFC card that's happened since 2018 in in uh kamara usman versus jorge masvidal uh no. lead color commentary that was michael bisping uh, there's no. no doubt in my mind that if i was not good at my job i would no longer be employed so no i'm very confident in i i can take a ribbing on air because i'm very confident that i'm actually like i'm i i help bring a good product out there twice a week to- totally is so much it's so fun we like my wife listens to it she that's like one thing we both listen to and sometimes like if we're gonna be hanging out we'll save it so that we can listen to it together uh like doing chores or whatever and it's it's i mean i don't know why it's not more popular but what i love is how out there bisping is on in the ufc and just in you know on netflix and everything mm-hmm. to that will further promote the success and i know like we don't i don't want to get into anything we've been working together for a while believe you me and sheath i love it they love us um i want to continue working with them but if anything were to ever happen i would wish them utmost success and hope that you know when time is right we work together again and um so just putting that out there love the show yeah dude Thank yeah. you. I really, I really appreciate that. And for sure, your support does show. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. Uh, the there's no doubt in my mind that the you know support that you give the show, especially like you hooked us up with the uh, Bryce Mitchell, which was a highlight of, of this year for me. Uh, been a big fan of that dude ever right? since the Arkansas promo. I don't know if you remember his first win in the UFC. Hell like, yeah, Arkansas, like, Donald Trump. You need some security or something like that. That was so. Here's the thing. That was his second promo. His first oh. promo was just he screamed, "Arkansas, Arkansas! I'm from Arkansas. I ain't supposed to be here. They don't want nobody from Arkansas around here." But I'm telling you, I'm putting Arkansas on the map, baby, or something along those lines. Nice. And I was like, "Man, this guy, like, he believes in himself. He believes in where he grew up. He thinks he's the toughest son of a bitch in the UFC. Like, I fucking love everything about this kid." Uh, and I was on the hype train immediately. Uh, he has not disappointed once in the cage or on the mic after. He was incredible, you know, having a conversation with us. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a dream guest. And I thank you for getting, you know, getting him on with us. Uh, and it definitely is a thing where I noticed, like, I see constantly, you know, Sheath Underwear is, is you know, retweeting and liking and, and promoting the uh, BYM pods. Uh, and we, we really appreciate that. Always, yes. And, I mean, that the piece we we cut out a piece of the show last week when bisping was impersonating gsp and i because i laughed so hard when he was doing it and then i made my wife listen to it and then i was laughing so hard when she did and then i left i would listen to it again i was like this i don't know let's just just so like perfect that i want to cut it and promote it and um share it with other people because he you remember when it was like morphing from the different accents from like GSP to like South Africa. For sure, for sure. Indian. It was so funny. Um, so love that. Love gas. I'm in my one of my favorite new shows uh, is is part of the problem. And I guess you don't 
work with them i get because you do you, you have your specific podcast but do you get do you hang out with them at all robbie and davy so i i mean i'm i'm good friends with rob uh i used to i used to regularly uh produce his show when he was you know still uh pre-corona times when we were doing it every thursday uh so rob and i have a really good relationship i i worked on part of the problem for a very 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 short time in uh last year uh again being one of those things where i was just had way too much on my plate and was being super ineffective uh but i do I enjoy the hell out of Dave. I enjoy his process. I enjoy that he looks at the big picture, uh, the small picture, like everything, everything involved in a Dave take has been thought out. And anytime I try to come at him, with like any kind of, you know, for the people response in, in any kind of my bleeding heart bullshit, they will immediately like whether or not I agree with him, he will have a thought out measured response to it. And it's why I, I enjoy getting my news. You know, I, I enjoy Dave being a filter for my news. Yeah, dude, he's like a genius in the logic. He, I feel like he uses a logic method of if this, then this, and if not, then whatever, you know, however that logic, I took it in college and don't remember it, but very systematic into his thinking. And uh, I, he's converted me. I mean, actually, I was already a libertarian kind of, you know, when I took a test, I've been, I voted libertarian in the last election, Gary Johnson. Why bother? <laughs> because it was a protest vote. And I, I, I used to to want to be on the apprentice and i used to want i used to like whatever like look up to him because he's fucking successful and a baller and like all the things that you think you want to be if what success means in america um that's fair but i i feel like we also live in a time where we saw shark tank do the apprentice 20 times better yeah shark tank yeah they did yeah and and it was I didn't vote for him ultimately because, you know, as things started coming out and um, he's just like, here's, it's just funny. Cause my wife is like, that's so not the fucking problem with him, but she hates him. And then people viscerally hate him. And it sounds like you're not a huge fan. And that's no, but, I, like, I'm, I, I wouldn't say that. I think, I mean, not to echo every single comedy podcast in the last four years, but I think the guy's hysterical. Uh, yeah, I, I think yeah, yeah. he has the hardest job on the planet. And, you know, people have been waiting to see him fail from the moment he took office because yeah. he is who he is. And, you know, I don't think that's long term healthy for your psyche uh, yeah. as a person to have that much animosity towards the president. Yeah, like, no. Yeah, I'm ready for it to be over. It was funny. It was fun. I mean, I'm scared about Joe Biden, but like, I feel like it'll be just like back to business as usual. And but, at, but I don't want that, and that's why I want him to lose because it's funny. It was funny as a clip, but when it go like my wife hates him, so everything he does or whatever, it's like I don't like that energy of his negativity. You know what I mean? Right. And then on the flip side, you have people like my parents who are like, uh, they're in the demographic. You know what I mean? Like they are the people who are like, you know what? It would be nice if America was great again, you know? Cause yeah. they oh, fucking, yeah. they grew up in the sixties. Like they're, they're not, uh, like, you know, my mom did engage in civil rights marches in the sixties. You know what I mean? Like she was never like a bigot by any stretch of the imagination, but there is a certain, 
like Kyle Kinane talked about it the other day. He's like, you know, he just stopped hating black people the other, or he just stopped hating gay people. Now you want to tell him about trans, like give him yeah, a right. break, you know? Oh, so like, totally. like there is oh. sort of that for my folks where like on the flip side, anytime he does anything, there is, you know, CNN talking about him. There's people like your wife who are talking about him. There's Twitter, there's Instagram, there's a million different places that are saying negative things about him. And that creates like this walled up, like fervor defense for, well, you know, it's not the easiest job in the world and I'd like to see you yep. do better. And, and yep. my parents having that negativity on the flip side of like, you know, what I like, so it's not healthy or good for them either. So who is this good for? Yeah, ultimately it's not good enough. It's not good for anyone. And um, you know, I listen to part of the problem <laughs> and I'm gonna vote for Joe Jorgensen probably, or maybe Biden, or maybe I don't vote, but like I mean to me the real protest vote is just not voting. Like I yeah. I live in New York. We have literally gone blue every year since nineteen eighty eight, the sole exception being Ronald Reagan, where the only state that went red was uh or the only state that went blue was I think Minnesota. Uh wow. At the end of the day, like the guy, I think lost his. It might have been his home state. He might have lost his own home state. I'm not sure, but yeah. like 49 of 50 states went red. Uh, that's the last time New York went red. So when I say my vote doesn't matter, my vote literally doesn't <laughs> matter. Uh, yeah. So I'm to me the protest vote is like why would I waste four hours on a Tuesday to vote when I know it's going to come back Joe Biden? I don't. Is Colorado a swing state? Um, it's pretty liberal, and I think that we went. When's for the last Hillary. time they went red? I don't know. I know we have a Democratic governor, but I don't. It's it is. I think it's still kind of a swing state, though. To be honest, it, it, because there are a lot of Republicans in the city I live in. There's a sign that says Woodland Park, where all lives matter. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bro. but they just they actually just took it down but it was up for like a, a good two months that <laughs> so. is hysterical uh so in the last uh in the last election uh 74 of the uh population turned out and the popular wow. vote went to hillary clinton in a 48 43 margin so it is pretty split yeah See, You're talking five percent yeah. of the vote, hundred, hundred twenty thousand votes deciding nine electoral college votes. That's significant, and the factor in there was Gary Johnson pulled one hundred and forty-four of those votes. So you give Damn. that that five percent to Trump, and he carries the state. Whoa, because I yeah, and I was good. So I was going to vote for Trump probably. I mean, when he came down the aisle, like oddly enough. I had been living in a house since 2000, from 2013 to 2015 with a bunch of guys. We did not have cable. We were strictly working on sheath for two years, like no bullshit. Sick. A lot of a lot of psychedelics, a lot of a lot of meditating and yoga and stuff, but no news. So hell yes, it was it was a, a great point in history because and we made a lot of inroads with sheath, you know, making it get, getting its foundation started, but something was going on with my ex-wife at the time and my daughter up here in Colorado where she was getting sick and unable to take care of my daughter. So I, I had to leave the house, the team, but it was, it was a fucking very touching moment because I remember I was talking to my brother, shout out to Matt. He, uh, he was like, dude, we got you. He's like, you know, like you can go. 
and it meant a lot because it's my daughter, obviously. And right. but I but Sheath is my baby, and I'm like leaving my team, and <sighs> they held it down, like, and I'm still up here, you know. And I, I got my daughter through high school. She's in college. I just dropped her off yesterday. Sick. Uh, she's fucking killing it. She has two jobs. She's member of the student senate. And also like a member of this uh, welcoming committee. She just went a week early because she's going to be welcoming and the freshmen. So she's like super about it. You know, most people go to college and waste time, but she's like participating. Right. Like make the most of the four years. So in Colorado, they're doing live, like in-person school. She went, she goes to... Uh, like a very secluded school in the middle, like of the mountains. Okay. And so I feel like they are in a little bit of a different situation because not all schools are doing it. I know that the like uh, Colorado State University or whatever—that's not the, what it is—but there's like another one, the University of Colorado, Colorado. Yeah, Springs. there's there's CU, yeah. CSU, CU Boulder. Yeah, they're not because they're like such massive institutions that having everyone show up all the time is just not they're going to do online but for whatever reason my daughter's school decided that you could do either and she wants to be there and of course yeah and i don't think for call like as a father as a citizen and whatever we understand about covid i'm not scared for her you know like she's 19 healthy as a fiddle like not that fiddles are healthy she's very you know she takes care of herself and um but instead in god forbid you know like she's the one but those people those that age range isn't getting sick and so i'm of the opinion that we should honestly just open it all up and and let the chips fall where they may i know that was heartless to say a few months ago but i think a lot of people with masks and with with social distancing and and being careful, but not, I mean, not just like blatantly opening everything up, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been saying it from the beginning. So Mimas and Peepaws are going to have to get it. And it's like, it is what it is guys. A- at the end of the day, like we are not, this was a two week thing to slow down the, the, the curve uh, yep. back in March, you know, we're on <laughs> week, you know, 17, week 25 now. Like what, what are we doing? Um, right. You know, and that's that's the part to me where it's like, all right, like I I understood it being a thing where we can't overrun every hospital, but as long as the transmission numbers are not spiking towards overrun hospitals, I don't see why we shouldn't uh, like why we shouldn't do I don't know as much as we can. But then I also get things like today uh, somebody talked to me about how him and his wife both got antibody testing and three months ago it said they had antibodies. Now it's saying they don't. So are the antibody tests wrong or do the antibodies wear off? Like either one is possible and either one is terrifying. So, so freaky. Yeah. At the end of the day, do I think I'm going to die from it? No. The one concerning part to me is that, you know, I spent three months of this with my folks in South Carolina and it's like, I mean, if they get it, that's right. a problem. Right. I have been very careful, at least for the first two months. Like I was like, I did not leave the house and it was nice. Um, but I just, I see these fucking checks 
that the government is sending to everyone. And I have, you know, when I got out of the army, I got some subsidization afterwards for while I was going to school. I even got a couple of months of food stamps. I got stuff that if I hadn't gotten it, may I may not have been able to start sheath because it helped me get over the hump of, you know, there not being any profits. So I see the benefit and I believe in the UBI, the universal basic income that um, Yang, Andrew Yang was talking about. Here, here's the thing. A lot of my other army buddies that got out around the same time, they're still just getting checks and they're kind of just like making families and living their life and kudos to them. They sacrificed their life and, and veterans. I I'm grateful for the, you know, the care that we get when we get out of the army, people talk shit about it. Um, and I guess it's overworked in something like bottlenecked in certain areas here. It's been good. Texas was good. Um, my point is like just people, some people are going to take advantage of it and, and like create art and music and, and, and a business off of it. And some people will just get that basic minimum. And I guess as long as everyone's being taken care of, maybe there'll be less crime, you know, that could be something. I mean, like, like there was a documentary that came out. Uh, I think it was actually the end of zeitgeist. Did you, did you happen to see? Zeitgeist? Yeah, that was great. That was a great movie. So like that concept of like, all right, if we're actually moving towards automation, right? Yep, like if yep. we actually get rid of a one world government that's trying to keep everybody down, keep everybody oppressed and keep power, uh, you know, like in a vacuum, uh, we could reach a point where we automate society, give everyone a UBI and let people like if there was a, I was talking to my buddy Ian about this, like if there was a program, right, where it's like, all right, the government's going to give you, you know, uh, 2400 bucks a month, right? Like yep. you know, 600 bucks a week, that's what you're getting. But you know, if you want to, right, instead of setting up, you know, unions and municipalities and, and, and setting up a thing where you have to go and hire a, uh, let's say, a full-time carting service, right, as your, like, trash collectors. You know, that's a union job, union yeah. benefits, union medical. Uh, you get a pension involved with that. There's so much money, so much taxpayer money that goes into that when you could just have a thing where it's like, all right, sign up sheet, you know, uh, 20 people, if 20 people sign up today, if they want to go and collect garbage, uh, we only need 10. We're taking 10 of the 20, selected at random. If your name wasn't picked this time, you get to get picked next time and you can go make money that way. You know, like and that. like, mm-hmm. like if there was a volunteer sign, if there was a sign up sheet where it's like, hey, if you go to the park today and rake leaves for three hours, we'll give you 50 bucks. I'd be like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. There you should I mean? be. Yeah, absolutely. There should be opportunities for uh, civil service in our society. That's a, like, why don't we have that already? And it's like, if there was a fund, right? Like instead of paying people who are dedicated to do this, if there was just a fund where it was like, oh, hey, homeless guy, like if you really want to eat instead of begging, go and rake leaves in the park, they'll give you 50 bucks. Like who's not doing that, right? Like right. we would have a cleaner city. We would have yep. a, and we wouldn't need to like, you know, we, we wouldn't need cars getting screwed by the, the street sweeper coming. But you know what I'm saying? Like, there's just, there's so much more, uh, I feel like, that that money could be going to. And I feel like people would take the opportunity to bring themselves more money if there was more accessible programs like that. And okay, so you touched, we're getting deep in this bitch, but you touched on a huge thing. It's, it's the, the money. And we can just keep printing money. We do happen to be in a like a huge a level of debt, which I don't even you can't even comprehend like twenty seven trillion dollars. So the money 
and like is it's not there but we can just make it but here's the thing where is it fucking going and i feel like there's a, so much corruption and steal, theft from the the pool of money that is being sent to the government through taxes that if we found out how much waste there really was we could do all of these social programs yeah and i think like you know the the there's no doubt in my mind that you know the 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 military spending doesn't need to be where it's at um that definitely and i'm not trying to like you know again i know you're you're a veteran so i'm not trying to take anything away from the troops there but i think that there's like a lot of people like tulsi gabbard was literally the only political candidate that i liked for the entire um you know for this entire like session of of possible you know people who could be running the country uh Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah, and she, was a, I, and she was a veteran and, and, and I, you're not offending me. I think that the military budget is, is bloated. There's so much waste Have, being a former soldier and seeing the inside of operations. It's a lot of unnecessary do this busy work or sit there and wait and hurry up and wait and go to the other side of the world and post up for what like what are we doing here because there was no weapons of mass destruction like that the whole war was a farce and i bought into it hook line i was fucking watching the shock and awe on fox news the opportunity arose for me to join which was basically desperation because i i was at a dead-end job and had no more money and just like totally hopeless and that's how they get soldiers to join when there's a fucking war a sunni triangle happening people are dying every day like why would someone join we'll give you thirteen thousand dollars cash pay off all your student loans and whatever you know um basically save the pretty sweet deal honestly and it changed my life man i was fucking going nowhere fast and i that like that was a huge upswing. Went from you know twenty thousand dollars in debt to twenty thousand in the bank. So that's forty thousand dollar turnaround and a full time job, benefits, healthcare, and it allowed me to buy my first house. And then when I got when I got out, you know they take care of all my medical. Like there's a lot of benefits from joining the military. And so like to kind of circle to, I feel like that there should be some sort of civil service here. You know you don't have to go be in a war but you like should maybe go i felt like going through basic training changed me significantly showing me who how i compared to my peers on a pure desire level like i wanted it more than they wanted it and i won like i won this pt this test of physical fitness after the whole 13 weeks of all of the 260 people in my battalion this short white slow unathletic just average guy the, the epitome of average i would say and and i and i won and it, and it showed me like if you push you know you if you push yourself hard enough and like focus hard enough you, i don't know you can just impress yourself you're talking about you're talking about like uh like for service right but that's yeah that's that's more military and i wouldn't yeah that's it. like that's like every european country has that i feel like no see well and i think why don't we have some kind of, you know, but coming of age as a man or as an adult? I, I just, I know why we don't because we're a free country and, 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 you know, you get to make your own decisions and stuff, but I think it would be good. It was good for me. 
Yeah, I mean, if there was, like, a thing where you have to, you know, show up and do X, Y, Z to be eligible for this job, and that involves, like, you know, you have to show up on time, you have to, like, keep something clean. Like, all of the, like, life skills that young men learn in basic, uh, I feel like could be translated in a civilian program easily, no? Yeah, it's uh, like going to like not boot camp, but uh, the when you're a kid and you're, you get your your badges because you uh, were in oh, the Boy Scouts. Boy Scouts. I mean, but just like a a, a, t- a more tougher level, obviously like an adult version and and more of a physical fitness aspect of it because that's such a huge part in mental health and you it was it was so crazy just overcoming a lot of the the obstacles that they put you through like uh, rappelling out of a helicopter or off of a wall and climbing those huge you know like these like 100 feet tall logs with a you just kind of have to like climb over it or anyways so much of that stuff would show people like what they're capable of. Um, and I look at, you know, the society that we have and we're all, we like my daughter's age seem to be very soft and, uh, cuddled or, or enabled or entitled, entitled and never really having been put in a situation where they had to step up and get a job done where, you know, like you just need to like put some pressure on the kids to be more uh, tough. And as a relatively successful, you know, father with a kid, like my daughter, thank God, I don't know. She just, she's a hard worker by her natural kind of um, instincts because she's been sort of coddled and I've taken care of a lot of the stuff for her. So it's, and maybe that's, I mean, a lot of how people turn out is just like, you kind of are who you are. You know, you were in a way, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be, but surroundings make a Yeah, huge but that, that concept thing. though, of like putting a, putting like, uh, you know, like in the fable of Hercules, you know, they talk about like Herculean tasks they put in front of him, you know, the yes. 20 labors or whatever, like what he had to do to like prove himself as like a demigod, like anything anything that would replicate that for, you know, like adult men, 18 to 22, I feel like would seriously help grow like a better, I don't know. Like it feels like it it makes sense to society to like put challenges in front of people and have them overcome them. It's why I enjoyed doing Spartan races and tough mutters and all that horse shit. When I was like super young, it was like, Oh, this is a goal. I set my mind to it. I accomplished it. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, and like the fight you're about to have. I mean, that's that sounds Ugh. so exciting. When is that happening? Uh, so it was supposed to happen March of this year. Got postponed to September. Got postponed again. We're looking at because March of next fest. year. We're talking yeah, about it's at, it's it was at Skankfest. Uh, and we can't do Skankfest because we can't be inside right now, which kind of sucks. <laughs> Dude, you guys are pros, though. You guys like help carry it. And I really feel like he and, you know, he has his podcast, Run Your Mouth. Shout out to Robbie. He's always shouting me out, which is very kind. And you 
don't have a podcast, but sounds like you might be wanting to start one uh, called Anxiety Attack. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it definitely is a... Uh, it's definitely a thing where I tried it when I first started working at Gas, and mm-hmm. it became a thing where it was like, I never want to do... I never want to do a thing where I'm just showing up again. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I definitely don't, I don't want to rush into anything. I do want to consider what I'm going to do uh, before I, I jump into it again. That's fair. I, you don't want to overdo things. And I sometimes, but I sometimes feel like um, this, what I'm doing, which we do like once a week, um, it's kind of sporadic, but I'm, I really feel like it forces me to, step up, have a nice conversation, learn a few things. Yeah. I mean, that's, I guess the ideal, I will tell you this, like being, so I started the, the first show I worked on when I started working at gas digital was, uh, was hammer fisting. Uh, and that was, <laughs> it was its own show. Uh, you can still get some of the archives, I think on wherever you get podcasts, but that was the thing where, you know, I, they didn't have a producer. I was just hanging out. I needed to like learn how to use the board. So they stuck me on a show and said, you can't screw it up essentially. You know, like that's really what that show was. And it got me to a point where it's like, all right, I'm dedicated to showing up this time every week to do this show, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, that, like without that experience, I don't think I'm as good a producer on Believe You Me, you know? And it's like yeah. I had to do that for like 18 months to get my feet wet before I was ready for, you know, something bigger. Hmm. It's You're making my wheels spin because we have – I want to start a, like a gas digital network type of a thing. And we have a multimedia company called Time Wheel that I'm part owner of. Okay. And it's mostly psychedelic music, but we have a host. We have Don't multi- hate that. Yeah, it, it's all indie. Um, my brother started it. He's also a co-owner of Sheath, but it's a huge, huge psychedelic kind of uh, meeting spot. If the, you know the guy Mitch Schultz, he made the movie DMT, The Spirit Molecule. Um, my brother works directly for him he's been working with him for the past decade on his that's very cool it is pretty cool so i've met mitch we've done dmt it's been a it's been a a learning experience for me as well dude that is why i couldn't uh not gonna lie that's a hundred percent well not a hundred percent but it's uh 80 percent of the reason why i wasn't able to make it to the taping on sunday (laughs) nice tell me uh, so I was in uh, Philadelphia for Comedy Fight Club. Uh, shout out to that show because that is mm, just talk about like a labor of love. I love doing that show. Uh, but I uh, went out to Philly. I know. Uh, so I don't know if you're familiar with like Matt and Shane's secret podcast. No. Uh, okay, so they're like they're they're like friends of ours. Shane Gillis has been on like, oh, a bunch of guests. Oh, I've before. heard of him. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Matt and Shane Seeker podcast is their show. Uh, Matt, the other guy, uh, has like a very is super into psychedelics, like you know the the mind exploration, uh, all that stuff. So we had a guy come in who explained, you know, did like a whole rundown of what DMT is to him, and then just left like a massive Tupperware thing of DMT, and I was like, whoa. whoa. I would love some of that. So uh, we ended up doing that uh, till the very wee hours in the morning and then uh, driving back uh, late that night. And then, you know, I, I 
there, there was just no, I woke up and like, I, I started to get my day together and I was like, no, 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 no. You need to, you need to go back to bed. You have seen some things that are, are not, uh, like you're not ready to rejoin the world of the living yet. So when I did it, I took it, I like put a little bit on a bong and yeah. took a huge hit. Like I'm t- like, not three. What was it? Three hits. I, there's one time when I've done it a couple times. I think I did three hits off of a pipe, but I did like just one hit off a bong, and I just held it until sound. It started going like one, 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 one. Like I kind of went inward, and then I shot out of the top of my head, kind of, and I saw myself in a in a like a light body. Okay. Not you know sitting in the lotus position, and then. So I could see myself sound slowly stopped. It was like, it didn't just stop suddenly. It was like, and it like stopped. Um, and then I went to another dimension, which I'll try to describe as a bunch is obviously like a bunch of geometrical shapes opening. It was like a thousands of doors opening, opening, opening until I got to the other side where it was, very sunlit it was in a there was a glass house it was sunlit and there were two or i remember like two jesters sipping tea and one of them turned around to me looked me dead in the eyes and put his finger to his lips and was just said shh like that and and then creepy yeah so i go back and all the doors start closing da, 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 and then i end up back in my body and I'm relatively back to normal in relatively no time but i we didn't do it all night it was kind of like a one time thing but when he said this sh- i interpreted it interpreted it um it wasn't just like that it was like we have this under control we you know the all the inner inner workings of the universe are con- we're up we're dealing with that right don't come here looking for secrets like we got yeah this. yeah 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 handle your it's literally yeah handle your business on your plane we'll take care of this plane i mean you got to see it but whatever and it and it almost was like it's basically like don't come back here so because we were gonna do it again the next night and i had the bowl packed but and i was like but dude they said like they said don't come back so i remember pouring a bowl out into the toilet I ended up doing going, yeah. I ended up going back uh, quite a few, like a year later, um, and it wasn't that was, but that's the most profound one. The other ones were just kind of like, you know, not as conceptual. Yeah, I feel like, like the coolest one was the first time uh, we got like a, we got a bunch of them around here, like those little pen, like uh-huh. the, so, like a regular, like a like a weed vape just yep. happens to have DMT in it. Uh, so I, you know, took like three maybe uh, probably more like five or six big rips off of that and just like held it for as long as i could body went limp and uh mm. i remember i had a uh a painting of like a like an art deco style like of havana cuba um and like i just remember like i locked eyes with that painting and like fell into it um and then became uh-huh. a beam of light went back to the big bang saw the entire creation of the universe as this single beam of light back to my body and i was like well that was a whole bunch that's uh, <laughs> still too much I literally raced the entire universe like i need a cigarette oh my god that sounds amazing it's it's cool because 
you know, like everyone's experience is different. I felt like one other thing I got from it was I felt like I totally left my body and went somewhere else. For sure. And because of that, I felt like consciousness could exist outside of the body. Call me crazy, whatever, whatever. It made me feel like death was less to be afraid of, you know? That's fair. Yeah. It's also something where it's like, I'm not, I'm not in a rush to get there. No, no. But <laughs> like that, that definitely changed for me at one point. Like there have definitely been points where I've been like depressed on the verge of like suicidal thoughts. Like, you know, how can I possibly continue to go on another day living like this? Um, mm-hmm. You know, so getting from like, like knowing that there is that like peaceful plane somewhere else that maybe I go to, maybe I don't, um, right. you know, like, Hey, have as much fun on this one as you can. Definitely. But also I think you're like 32. How old are you? Yeah, I'm 32. Um, you're still young and I just, I know here's a little life lesson that the more partying you do do, the worse you're going to feel at times. And I, cause I've gone through bouts of depression and if I, sometimes I'll, I'll be like, Oh, I've been drinking like a lot, you mm-hmm. know? And it's, um, I've, you know, it doesn't make me feel good the next day. And I mean, I, I will notice that I'm less pleasant. You know what I mean? I don't know. Just putting that out there. Life lesson, you know, take it easy. Sometimes don't party too much. You're in New York City, so well. I, I mean, like, to be honest with you, my thing is, I I quit drinking when I was 19. Uh, I had like a bad, I had a bad drinking problem. Um, Good. Okay. Okay. So I knocked that out of the way early, and I haven't like. I, there's no attraction to go back there. Like 13 years later, it's like I have so many more fun things in my repertoire now that like drinking sounds like a goddamn. It's just a waste of time. Yeah. Um, and the fun thing is like. Uh, I did like ecstasy doesn't make me feel bad the next day. Like not that bad. Uh, uh, not, not to where I can't get anything done. You feel good. Okay. We'll just drink water. Exercise. You're doing it. You're Two doing gallons it. a day, dog. Okay. So then you're, you're doing it right. Uh, like when I used, when I was 19 and I was doing a lot of like party drugs, mm-hmm. I did not do them with any intention. No forethought. No, like, I'm going to try to something, you know, like typically these days with psychedelics, you want to maybe kind of work on something um, when in yourself, you know, like address some issue that you're having. But um, back then, you know, it was just like partying point is try to, you know, use, use it's medicine. So you want to use it to make yourself optimal. That's what I, and so anyways, I'm I'm like, I'm preaching. <laughs> You're fine, dude. Well, uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to ask you though, like how how hardcore is like the party scene in New York? Because I I hear glimpses of it, and I'm like, hmm, you know, like. It's- so I mean, it's weird. The so like New York is now to the point where like. You know, people are, are, I was talking to this girl the other day, like, yeah, you know, I really enjoy microdosing mushrooms. She's like, oh, what is this, 2018? Like, everybody microdoses mushrooms. You got to get into, like, microdosing LSD. And, like, there is a lot of, there's a lot of, 
people who are in open relationships, who are in poly relationships, who are looking to do a lot more of that partying. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think the culture is a lot more friendly of that here. Um, but yeah, there definitely is, especially in the circles that I run in, which tend to be very comedy, very nightlife, very entertainment yeah. oriented. Uh, there is just, you know, there like the... I haven't seen much slowing down as far as that goes, <laughs> in the time of Corona, right? You know, stims yeah. for stims, if if you will. Uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there there definitely is. I know that especially during the pandemic, there was a lot, a lot of psychedelics going on during, nice. you know, even, you know, this post shutdown or post lockdown uh, New York here, there's been a lot of psychedelics going on. So um, it, it definitely is a thing where it's like, the only thing I need to do is worry that my tolerance is getting too high, you know, maybe space this out a little bit more. Yeah. And that's all I ever would suggest with those things because it's like less is more in a lot of, in a lot of instances. I mean, I smoke weed every day, like pretty much all day. So I'm not really one to talk, but I do know that that's like the lesser of all the evils, like you were saying, compared to alcohol, these other things are, like taking vitamins basically you know you didn't say that but you know it's like <laughs> almost good for you in a sense well, well i mean there is definitely a thing like you know i like i said i puked in training today right like i i absolutely um you know i, I gave everything i had had That's no more awesome. uh had to run off the mats like literally like puking in my mouth uh so when i got home today yeah i did smoke a little bit as like recovery settle my stomach settle my nerves settle the little nagging pains that I have going on, um, you know, and, and, and reset my day. Uh, and then it was a point where you called me and I was like, how do you use a telephone? Uh, yeah, I, I feel like this was, this went really pretty well overall. Not mad at it at all. Uh, would love to come back on at some point and, uh, you know, go over how, uh, how I got started with these guys, maybe inspire some other people to leave uh, security and wealth behind to uh, become homeless in the streets of New York. Um, but yeah, for sure, man. I'm really glad you didn't cancel. I'm really glad we got to do this. Absolute pleasure talking to you, Robert. Thank you so much, Mike. Um, yeah, we, did, we didn't touch all of the topics, but we hit quite a few of them. Do you do comedy? Oh, Are you? Do you not do- at all. Not at all. I'm not funny. <laughs> you're funny okay because it's a lot of it i just love weird. telling people that it's my favorite thing i just love getting the responses because every now and then they're like oh yeah that checks out you're not funny at all uh, <laughs> i appreciate that no i think i chuckled. Uh, but no no i don't no dude i just love producing there is something about it like there's nothing that gets my blood flowing like live stand-up comedy right like it's a it is a dance between the performer and the audience, uh, feeling people out, getting people to react in real time. It's especially the the weekly show that I produce, Comedy Fight Club. It's a lot like pro wrestling. Um, it's like a, a mixture of comedy and pro wrestling, and, and there's something of there's something about that that just gets every bit of creative juice in me flowing. Uh, and I'm way I'm so content just producing a great show. I don't like there's no desire in me to be a performer. Yeah, I want to listen to that Joe DeRosa. Um, Corinne Fisher, Without a Country? Without a Country. What What is that? What is the content, up to, like, give or take? So it's Joe DeRosa and Corinne Fisher. They look at uh, four, they look at, like, basically what's trending on Twitter, uh, give, like, a breakdown of that. And then they look at four hot button news stories. Like, for instance, this week we had Trump banning TikTok. Yeah. Uh, what's going on in Portland? Um, yeah. 
And I'm trying to remember the other two stories that we had, and it's driving me crazy that I can't right now. But, you know, Brian Callen, uh, they talked about what's going on with the league getting dropped by Netflix, like all of those things. And what they try to do is they give the right's perspective on it. They give the left's perspective on it. And they're like, all right, Vice, you're an asshole because of X, Y, and Z. Fox News, you're a dickhead because of X, Y, and Z, right? Like, where is the middle ground where we can look at a subject, we can look at the news that's given, uh, not skew the data and figure out what's actually going on because there's so much bias in, in no matter where you get your news from. So it's really an exploration. Uh, you know, people are talking about like this wave of purple. Uh, so like purple podcasts, purple blogs, purple websites, purple commentary. Like that's kind of the concept is like middle, you know, for, yeah, like for, um, you know, like Joe has been on Fox News before, right? Joe has leaned conservative before. You would, certain people would label Joe as a conservative. Uh, he's certainly the most liberal conservative person I know. Like, realistically, he hates the conservatives. He hates the liberals, gives everybody shit. Corinne is obviously a diehard liberal, uh, but, you know, she's actually a little bit closer to the center and less, like, out and wacky like not she's not like antifa by any stretch of the imagination like she sees the silliness of the left so it's interesting to just have two people who understand how the game is played kind of break down uh in like a 4d chess way for the layman like me interesting i might be interesting in sponsoring that that sounds like something we would i i want to promote more good you know like outlets I mean, I'm just saying, Corinne just took an underwear selfie last week, and I feel like it's a damn shame that she wasn't wearing sheath underwear. I'm saying, see? All right, well, broach that maybe if you want. And I, Are they on guests or no? They are on guests. Yeah, so you can talk to – you You know who to talk to over yeah, here about that. To. And Very cool. All right, well, I will not keep you any longer. I, this is the longest podcast we've ever done. Thank you for keeping me entertained and for everything that you do and always supporting sheath and whatnot. I uh, look forward to talking to you again. And you can find uh, Mike Harrington. I believe it's M. Harrington. It's at uh, them Harrington, T-H-E-M uh, Harrington on all social media, Instagram, Twitch, uh, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, yeah, or just think of me as like non-binary. Like I'm a them Harrington. Yeah, them Harrington, that guy. Them. That's yeah. right. All right, peace, everyone. Sheathunderwear.com.